Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the podcast where we cover the width and breadth and depth of conversational AI and NLP to show you how to do it properly, how you can implement strategy, how you can design effective conversational interfaces, how you can choose the right technology and what right technology is and what it looks like. And today we are joined uh, by Brian Jefferson, who is, uh, he is the Director of Contact Center Operations at Landry's Restaurants, and we're going to be talking all about how Brian and his team uh, have automated a whole bunch of calls in their call center using conversational AI, which uh, we are definitely looking forward to. Before we do that, before we introduce Brian, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors for today. It is DeepGram and Symbol AI. Uh, Symbol AI is uh, literally a leading conversational intelligence platform. It allows you to get to data within your conversations that you didn't know even existed. You can do things like uh, topic and intent discovery, topic summarization, call summarization, speaker diarization Uh, You can do things like even, let's say, for quality assurance, if you wanted to figure out how long people talk, how long an agent spends talking about a promotional uh, promotion that you have or whether they mentioned or or spoke about the terms and conditions or whatever it might be, you can gather all of that data and analyze it uh, literally off the back of the phone calls. You can do outbound dialers that detect answering phone beeps and escalate to a live agent when someone answers or leaves a voicemail message after the beep, which is actually historically a challenge to do. Uh, So do check out Symbol dot ai if you are interested in exploring how you can gather insights and intelligence from the conversations that you're already having with your customers that's symbol dot ai s-y-m-b-l dot ai for more information and uh, shout out to deepgram as well who are our second presenting sponsor deepgram is industry leading speech recognition uh, companies all over the world are using deepgram's automatic speech recognition capabilities to build voice assistants voice bots uh, call transcripts meeting transcripts a whole bunch of capabilities uh, using uh, Deepgram's ASR. One of the things about when you build a voice assistant, you absolutely have to have uh, working ASR because the ASR is the first point of contact in any conversational or voice interface. If the ASR is wrong, your NLU gets fed gibberish and the whole thing breaks down after that. ASR arguably is one of the most crucial compart- uh, components of a voice interface. And so if you are exploring voice user interfaces, if you're building a voice assistant, if you're automating your call center like Brian, please do check out Deepgram dot com forward slash vux world for more information and before i uh, very finally before i do introduce brian i'm going to just hop over onto youtube and get a link to put into linkedin because uh i don't know if it's just me but the linkedin broadcast seems to be having a couple of delays and so i'm just going to grab this link here and i'm going to put it into linkedin in case it's not working so i'll say hi linkedin Please use this if this stream isn't working. Cool. Now then, (laughs) there's always something going on. Without further ado, Brian Jefferson, welcome to VUX World. Hey, thank you, Kane. <laughs> Thank you for joining here. us. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, glad to have you along because we've been spending a lot of time talking to technology companies. I know that Landry's you've been using Poly AI. We've had uh, Poly AI uh, on the podcast, and and you know fans of Poly AI. And we've been spending a lot of time talking to different technology companies, different vendors, and that kind of stuff. And it's nice uh, as we are doing now, and we'll continue to do over this year, to speak to the people that are actually implementing this 
this stuff in in the real world in the course so i appreciate you spending some time with us to to share your learnings and hopefully we can help others in a similar situation to what you were in previously uh to do the same and to get some good results using this technology sure sure i'm uh, glad to to share cool so maybe we'll start with uh, with some introductions brian would you mind introducing yourself and and tell us a little bit about what you do at landry's and for the uk and europe uh, uh contingent among us maybe a little bit more about what landry's does as well Okay. Uh, yeah, we. Um, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, as you mentioned, call center director. Um, we have uh, Landry's is mostly known for its restaurants. Um, we have over 600 restaurants uh, from all kinds of brand names that you may be aware over in the UK. Morton's, Mastros, uh, some of our higher end uh, steakhouses. Uh, in locally, we have Saltgrass Steakhouse, Landry's, Bubba Gump's, uh, Joe's Crab Shack. A lot of different restaurants <clears throat> that we that we uh, operate. Uh, in addition, uh, we have several hotels, uh, Post Oak Hotel, which is um, the uh, the only five star Forbes five star property in the state of in the in Houston area. Um, that's uh, that's our property. Um, several hotels, and of course, we own the Golden Nugget Hotels and Casinos. Um, and my boss also owns the Houston Rockets, so we get around a little bit. So, in the <laughs> NBA. Wow! Wow! Um, so yes. So, so we, um, my, what, mostly what I do is we do reservations for the golden nugget hotels and casinos, uh, which are, um, we have five of those properties in the U S, uh, that we operate, take reservations for. Nice. And, and have you in, in previous, how, how long have you been at, at uh, Landry's for? Uh, I've been here almost eight years. Okay. Um, he, I was, I was hired seven years ago. We had, uh, a lot, all the properties kind of did their own individual thing. And uh, what the owner, the CEO wanted to do was consolidate all of his reservations into one call center. So uh, he hired me to build a call center from scratch and we, uh, we put it together and consolidated everything and, and uh, now handle reservations for all, all of our properties. Nice. Interesting. So all of the reservations for how many hotels did you say? We have five golden nugget properties and uh, yeah. uh, we have several uh, other properties too within around the Houston area. Okay. And all of the reservations are all managed now centrally from one call center. Yeah. For the, for Golden Nuggets, we have them everything here yeah, in, yeah. in our Houston office. Well, I have some, a couple of different locations in, uh, that, that handle, but it's all based out of Houston. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, had you ever kind of experienced anything to do with kind of AI and stuff like that in the past? Is, is it something that you'd dabbled with or was, was the most recent thing kind of the first time getting involved in, in this kind of technology? Uh, this, this is the first time I, you know, obviously we, um, it, it came out of, uh, I, I think I'd always been kind of interested in it, but it came out of a need, right? Obviously when, when, uh, everything shut down and, uh, we tried to hire people back and people weren't ready to come back to work. And, you know, we struggled with trying to, to how, to, how are we going to handle these, this call volume? And that's when, uh, you know, taking from what we thought was kind of a cool technology and as a, uh, a, as kind of do some type of uh, um, uh, use cases to do uh, testing, right? To see if this technology really would work uh, to, to change into, Hey, this, this is no longer um, a, a test. This is uh, we, this is you know, our livelihood. We've got to, we've got to make this work. So that's kind of where we moved to. Mm, interesting. So you mentioned some of the challenges there that you were facing. Was that the predominant challenge? Was it that you have, um, you know, lockdown happened everything closes 
everyone's kind of potentially furloughed or locked down and stuff like that. And no one stayed in the hotels because the hotels are closed and then you're reopening. Was it that staff didn't want to come back? Was it that the, the, the laws in Houston wouldn't allow people to come back? Like tell me a little bit more about what those challenges were. Yeah. So what, what we ended up, um, what, when we shut down, the government shut our hotels down. You know, we, you know, all the casinos got shut down. You weren't able to go there. The restaurants, <clears throat> excuse me, restaurants also, um, you know, shut down. And, and so for uh, roughly two months plus our casinos and hotels were, were closed and um, we, we, they wouldn't allow us to have any guests. Uh, when they finally decided to open it back up, uh, you know, we, we anticipated, well, there'll be a slow ramp, one of my properties, you know, decided, hey, we, we, there's certain calls we're taking here. Let's put them in the call center too. So there was 40,000 calls a month that they were handling before on property that they decided to put into our consolidated call center at that time too. And we said, okay, no problem. We'll take those calls and handle them when we open back up. When we open back up, um, the challenges were people, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, government uh, did a good job of taking care of a lot of people uh, and they found it was easier for them to stay home than it was to uh, to come back to work. So uh, at that point, we found it very, very difficult. And I, I had 40,000 new calls that I was I needed to handle that I wasn't handling before and, and not enough staff to handle that, that volume and, and unable to recruit and hire people. Interesting. And did you have a solution in place basically for opening back up again? Or did you have a period of time where you had a bunch of calls without the staff to actually manage it? Well, we, we anticipated that, again, we anticipated it'd be a slow ramp. Um, but, you know, what we found was people wanted to gamble. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they were, they were anxious to get back. And it was, uh, the demand started uh, r r right away. And, and um, while we, while the majority, all but just a few handful of my current employees came back, I was, I was now uh, at a much higher volume than I was at before, including additional call volume that I wasn't taking before and, and not able to handle it. And I was, you know, at a point where I was abandoning 30 to 40% of my call volume. And, uh, and that became extremely challenging to, from a customer service stand, standpoint, right? Customers having to wait long periods of time or not being answered at all. Mm, interesting. And when we spoke last time, and the title for this is is making up for lost revenue. So presumably that 30% of customers that are not getting through, you mentioned that the call center is taking bookings and all sorts. So potentially it's it's 30% of revenue that, that is being lost, is it not? Right. Well, we yeah, we, we had to de determine... Um, you know, I, I had to sit down with my CFO and say, Hey, we, you know, we, we can't make this a, a, a test. We got We got to drive this because, you know, if at 30 to 40% abandon rate, uh, that's, you know, I, I calculated for him what that meant as far as potential revenue loss that people weren't, were just calling somebody else because they couldn't get through to us. And once we identified that potential revenue loss, it was like, okay, this is it's all hands on deck. Let's make this thing work. Uh, and let's, let's, uh, let's start a process of how do we, how do we, uh, answer these calls. A lot of the calls, those 40,000 calls that I, that we had coming in were very simple calls. Um, but yet there were, you know, people calling and asking just simple, frequently asked questions or wanted to be transferred to different uh, departments. And so where, um, how were we handle, those calls were tying up all my lines and taking my agents away from handling revenue producing calls. And so I had to come up with a way, how do I, how do I handle these calls effectively? So people don't have to wait to be able to get these calls answered and, and, and be able to free up my agents to be able to handle calls that were producing revenue. Mm -hmm. That's very smart. Where did, where did the kind of like 
automation, conversational automation come from then? Where did you kind of like, where did the first kind of seed of inspiration come from that thought that made you think, well, actually we could probably automate some of this stuff using AI? Well, um, before, actually before the shutdown, I, I'd kind of explored some of these ideas and thinking this would be these, these ideas are, are, it's a great concept, right? Um, maybe this is something we could look at down the road. And so I'd, I'd received emails from different companies and I'd looked at it, had it a few demos on different things, but there wasn't really a, a sense of urgency at that time to really drive uh, and make that change. Um, so I, I'd had a couple of people who had contacted us uh, prior and, um, and then after when we opened back up, I, you know, I reached back out to them and we began our whole process of doing some due diligence and looking at, at, uh, at you know, I looked at several different uh, vendors to, uh, to identify, uh, you know, which one worked for us. Hmm. Did, did you have um, an idea of the kind of calls that you wanted to automate? Did you have an idea? You mentioned their FAQs and call transfers. Did you have it in your mind already that, that those were the things that you wanted to begin with, or did you need to go through a process of figuring out what use cases made sense? Well, I, uh, what we did initially is I, I looked at um, what would be the easiest thing to take off the top, right? I knew what, I knew what drove revenue and I, I wanted to free up my agents to doing revenue. So I had to look at which, which calls did not create revenue and how could we handle those calls and then identify. So we looked at different use cases to identify, Hey, these, these are very simple calls, but my agents have to stay on the line, take the information, answer a simple question. What time does the, what time is check-in? Do you have free parking? Do you have, you know, what time's the pool open? Can you transfer me to housekeeping? Those types of questions, right. That were very, very simple calls, but they were, they were t- tying up people from making revenue. And so I said, these are calls I think, are, are very good is a very good use case. Let's start with these calls initially, um, and how do we handle those calls? So uh, at that point, you know, we we did some, you know, like I said, we did diligence with several companies, and and uh, you know, my my first concern in going through this whole process was how do I make this a good experience, right? I, I wanted it to be a good experience. I didn't want to just dump calls into a robot sounding mm-hmm. process. And so um, my, that was my first criteria was got to be a good experience with our customers um, that, you know, I didn't want them to, you know, we've all gone through, listen to voice uh, assistance where you get in a loop and challenged and they don't understand you. And so I wanted it to be a good experience. And so um, that was my first criteria. And of course, um, you know, answering the calls, it, number one is a better experience to sit on hold for 20 or 30 minutes. So, um, so those all went hand in hand. Mm, interesting. So, so you mentioned that, so, so you kind of did a bit of work to figure out who, like what were the use cases that are not driving revenue and then there, there's where to start. You mentioned that you also went through, you know, looking at a few different vendors and stuff like that. Um, we don't need to name names. I know that ultimately in the end you went with poly AI, which we can kind of right. get into, um, shortly. Um, in terms of that process of, of um, you know, selecting vendors and stuff like that, and you said that, you know, customer experience is the most important thing. What were some of the kind of like, maybe some of the things that are um, important from the customer experience side of things when choosing a, a conversational AI solution, would you say? Well, I, I think, you know, everybody, that's something that everybody has to choose for themselves, what's important to them. Important to me was a good experience. And uh, there are a lot of great companies out there. I, I listened to a lot. I, I, a lot of ones that I liked. 
you know, we've, we found one that worked for us and, you know, it was, it was basically, I wanted, when they called in, I want them to sound like they're talking to a real person. And, you know, I, I listened to a lot of the other ones and we've all heard the, the, you know, the AWS versions and the Googles that, you know, that sound, you know, fairly human, but still are sound like a robot. And, you know, mm. Poly AI was the only one who came back with me with uh, a real voice. And, uh, and, and I'll, I'll give an example of what they did with me initially, because we looked at our saltgrass, um, our saltgrass uh, steakhouses to do some, some, uh, some testing with, and they did a demo with me first time. And the first time they, they did, and of course, saltgrass is majority, it's a, it's a Texas based steakhouse. And uh, so they did a demo with me and they, and the demo, the person they used uh, was a British woman. And which I love the British accent and I love that, that there's nothing wrong with that, but it didn't really fit with the, with the Texas uh, roadhouse uh, yeah. steakhouse. So I said, um, can you, can you give me something more Texan? And so they said, no problems. <laughs> so the next day they came back and, and they had it and it answered and, and, and they said, howdy, thank you for calling Saltcouse Steakhouse. So um, <laughs> it, it, that just made me at that point, I said, okay, these guys can do what we need to do. And so from that point, I said, hey, here's a cop. Here's 10 recordings of my best agent. I want it to sound like this. And mm. they came back with me and said, this is what it will sound like. It sounded just like my best agent. I said, perfect. So it, it's, it's what fits you. Um, that, that was one of my, my major criteria. I wanted to be personable uh, and sound like that. And they, they were able to do that for us. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we had a significant cost savings uh, on, on, from what it takes to handle an agent to handle the calls, number, number two. And then, uh, number three and probably biggest is I was able to produce, put my people on driving revenue and, and producing that revenue back into the, into the to company. So. Mm, interesting. That's such a good idea to have the, the Texan voice coming back as well. Was it, um, was it purely the kind of like how it sounded and, and obviously part of the, Part of what makes an experience, I suppose, human-like is is how it sounds and how it expresses itself, and and sounding like you'd ex- like you'd expect a human to sound. Was was that pre- like the predominant leading factor for you in terms of selecting a solution? Was was how it sounds, or was there anything else that, that you were kind of looking for? Well, I think yeah, it's it's um, it, it's how it's it's how it sounds, how it interacts, and are my are my people going to be willing to? Uh, adopt this technology, right? Or will my guests adopt this technology? And, you know, the, there's a lot of technology that people are comfortable talking to, you know, the Alexas, the Sierras, series, the people like that, that they're comfortable doing on a regular basis. And so I get that there's, there's a lot of companies using uh, some of the other voice technology out there. Uh, this was just more, it just seemed more personal to me when, when they were actually use a live person to record, um, you know, the, the scripting. Uh, that we wanted. And so, you know, they, they recorded the scripting and, and it was a live person, a real person that, that talks and it sounds, sounds just like my, my agents. And so that's what that convinced me. That that's where I wanted to go. Interesting. That is so interesting. Um, and, and so presumably, so a lot of, a lot of times when um, organizations look to do something like this, they can kind of, you mentioned AWS, you mentioned Google, they can t- often end up being the default sort of like go-to providers for some of this stuff because people think, well, Google's massive, it's got 10,000 engineers working on AI, it must have some good stuff. But then you look at a company like Poly AI and there's plenty of others who are not large organizations, you know, very small in comparison to Google and Amazon. Um, and they're kind of like, you know, 
not, I don't want to use the word fighting because, you know, it's, 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 it's not fighting the big boys or big girls, but they're kind of like definitely competing with them. Like, what was it kind of, was there anything um, that kind of like above and beyond the, um, the sound of the voice and the qualities? Were you, were you always looking to go with a smaller organization and, and not kind of the, the big guys? I wonder if you can speak to, speak to that kind of side of things. Yeah, no, I, I did. Um, I, I, I did look at actually, I, you know, we, we, I went, you know, one of them we, we looked at was with AWS and, and, um, and I was coming down to that at the last minute, but when, when they gave me their final demo with the voice and it compared it to what a poly did, I just, I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't impressed. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of, they still use a lot of the back back end processes from the Google AWS processes, but, um, it's, um, it, it, you know, there was, um, that, that was just my decision. I, I, I wasn't necessarily looking to go to big or small. I just wanted mm. something that worked. And, you know, I, I will, I will tell you initially, I, I looked at, uh, when I looked at poly, AI, I said, okay, these guys are based in the UK and I'm in Houston, Texas. And, and how is this going to work? And how are they, you know, we're, you know, six hour different time zones where, uh, all this that's going on and this is going to be a, a challenge and, uh, they've been wonderful to work with. And, uh, it's been it's been it's been great. I have resources here in the U.S. to help uh, as as needed, and and they've always been very responsive. So, that, no issues from that standpoint. My my biggest issues, I think that uh, we that we dealt with were my own internal IT people, right? right? Who this was new processes for them, and trying to get them on board, thinking, oh, you're just doing a you're just doing some test cases. This 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 isn't important stuff until I finally could get them. And my CIO and my CFO engaged in saying, "Hey, this is this is what revenue we're losing." So, so it was getting them engaged and getting them uh, working together uh, to to get this process going, and that was that's probably my one of my bigger challenges. But um, mm. interesting. How did you approach that then? Obviously, it sounds as though you obviously done the sums and you've done the numbers and you've worked out how much revenue is being lost. Like, was the conversation with with the IT team and, and the wider stakeholders purely about that, or was, was there other conversations happening at the uh, at the same time? Well, um, we we started those processes. I don't think they initially they didn't understand the impact of what was what was going on. Uh, you know, I until we they saw some numbers, um, and so that was that was important to really you know break down what what the potential is. You know, where where we're losing customers possibly, where we're losing revenue, and uh, what that does to the company overall. Obviously, we all went through a, a very challenging time with when everything was shut down and a lot of revenue was lost across the board. And and to be able to to um, recapture some of that revenue uh, and not lose it going forward was was critical to the company. Yeah, interesting. We've got related to that a question from Michael Nelson. Shout out to Mike. Um, obviously, you've got IT on board and you've got kind of all the rest of the stakeholders on board. Poly AI presumably did all of the designing, the building, the, the, the implementing, but you mentioned that this thing is taking reservations and it's actually, you know, it's it's producing kind of like value. Was there any integrations with line of business applications? And I wonder whether you can speak to maybe some of the challenges involved in that, if there was. Yeah, we um, initially, it was, you know, obviously our telephony pieces um, using getting them integrated into telephony to be able to get the calls, to be able to, to route, you know, all of our, our, our telecom, our phone numbers had to come in, had to route to them first, um, answer questions. And then obviously there's people who want to opt out and speak to an agent. And then it's got to route us back into our, to our, uh, our queue with our Cisco finesse queue and the agents that are available. 
Um, so, so there was some of that, obviously I had integrations that worked out and, you know, it was our IT t- telecom and we have some third party telecom people who uh, worked on our side, working with poly AI to try and integrate the t- telephony piece of it. Um, and then we got it. We, you know, from that point, initially, we started with some very simple use cases. Now we've, ex- we we're looking to expand it into some other areas. Um, we're doing some partial reservations where it's capturing information from a guest and then, and then taking that information and delivering it to the agent's desk screen desktop. When they, when they answer the call, they can see, you know, who the guest is, uh, what dates they're looking to come and stay, that sort of thing. So we can look them up quickly and, and, and reduce some handle time from that standpoint too. So um, making it easier from that standpoint, we're, and we're, we're looking, obviously continue to look at use cases and grow and build this, um, you know, the, if you can tackle the small ones first, um, but you know, I, I see there's no end to the possibilities of what we can do with this, just what our imagination limits us, right? So, um, I, you know, if, if we stop believing that it can be done, then it won't get done. But I, I think there's a lot of things that we can do and we'll grow from here. So, mm, that's really good. Um, Related to that, you mentioned that you you pulled in some people uh, to help with the contact center integrations for other kind of like, you know, senior contact center leaders. What kind of resources would be expected of them? There's two ways of doing it. One is that you build it and implement it yourself. The other is that you have someone like Poly AI do the building and the implementing. But obviously, there needs to be some input on your side to make everything happen. Maybe it's from IT, maybe it's from a call center, maybe it's from, you know, from a content perspective. So I'm wondering whether you could talk us through and shed some light on what resources were required for you to get set up and then what resources are required now on, on an ongoing basis to, to manage something like this? Well, um, I think, Again, getting the getting the CIO on board uh, from a from a technology standpoint, both all the telecom piece that we had to deal with, um, getting them on board, and we don't have a lot of the resources internally. Um, you know, we we do we use third parties to help us with some of our our networking and and telephony pieces. So um, it was it was getting getting the the direction from you know, from our, our executive office to say, okay, we, we really need to focus on this and then them aligning resources and then us, you know, getting with our third party providers, working with Polly, getting on, on a regular basis, calls on a regular basis, you know, uh, there was a point where we were on calls every single day as we were getting ready to implement uh, to make sure and test to make sure things were going correctly. So, um, it, you know, it's, um, you know, obviously there's network imp- implement- implementation that has to take place uh, from whatever your network processes are. Uh, your The telephony is huge. Um, you know, we're, I don't think we're on the leading edge right now of a technology in our company. And so, so it was, it was utilizing, you know, what resources we had and having some support from, from our third parties to, uh, to work with Polly to, to know. Polly was very, um, very knowledgeable about what needed to take place. And it was just, um, you know, they've, they've done this with others. And so they were, um, they were very um, uh, helpful in, in helping us identify what processes need to take place. And, you know, we still have uh, challenges in, in, in working as we're, as we're building additional use cases to identify how do we, how do we do this, you know, be PCI compliant if we're taking credit cards or how do we're doing different things like that? How do we process these things? And, and those are all still challenges we're working through, but uh, makes us some good progress. So. Nice. That's really good. That's really good. Um, was this a kind of like a complete custom 
build or was some of this kind of like did poly ai have some stuff kind of out of the box i know you mentioned that the deployment was really quick i'm just wondering whether we can speak to how fast it was deployed and whether you know whether you know it was all this out of the box was it kind of like was there some custom development like how much was it off the shelf versus kind of bespoke yeah i, th- I think it was a lot of it was you know they they knew what you know i, I had in my mind and my vision of what i wanted to complete what i wanted to accomplish um and and they had experience in I think we've lost yeah. Brian for a sec there. Ah, sorry, you're back now. <laughs> am, I, am I good now? Yeah, you're good now. Yeah, we lost All you right, for a yeah. second. I, I keep, uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. And it keeps right. dropping off, but. Um, That's good. Okay. Um, so I used, um, uh, where was I at? Uh, um, so they didn't have anything really out of the box um, as far as necessary. They, they knew what needed to be done. I had a vision of what I wanted to complete. And, and be done. And, and they just took that vision and, and helped me build it. So, um, you know, they have their voice talent that they used and we, we set up scripts. I said, this is how I want it to sound. This is the, the flow that I wanted to go. And uh, they just built it from there and they built the, the dialogues and the flow and, and made it work. And we got calls routing where they needed to route. Um, and, you know, initially, you know, I, I was, I was at a, a um, again, like I said, I was, I was abandoning a, a lot of calls and from the time we said, okay, go, and we selected the vent, selected them as, as our provider. And we went live. It was four weeks from, from, from that point. And we were, we were live and ready to go And day one, you know, my, my anticipation, I was hoping it was going to take about 40, maybe 50% of the calls to start with. And, uh, and day one, it took 87% and it's been consistently over 85% uh, since. And, and, uh, that same use case we've 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 expanded to some other lines of business and and it it's it continues to to I mean it saved us you know so um, it's it's just been a, a big big uh, excellent success. Wow, eighty seven percent on day one and, and what was that eighty percent eighty seven percent of what was that eighty seven percent of certain use cases or a single conversation or. So, so the the use case we we did were were mostly people calling in our, our PBX calls, which were just, um, you know, people wanting to transfer to a different department or uh, a certain person, or they had a frequently asked question. You know, do you what do you have parking? Where's your parking? What's your address? Do you have transportation to the airport? Do you allow pets? Uh, what times you know check in check out? What times your pool open? All those types of questions, right? Uh, they're very simple questions, and so. Um, it, of all those calls that came in, 87% were handled uh, with with the, our virtual assistant without having to speak to an agent. So that's 40,000 calls a month, and you can do the math on that and understand how many of those calls that were that were taken away. And and not every, I would say initially, you know, there's a lot of some some learning along the way. Uh, for 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 the voice uh, assistant to to be able to learn, but as we it got better and better, I've had very very little uh, interaction as far as things going to the wrong place, um, and and so it's it's been, I just it it was it was a lifesaver. <laughs> Interesting. And is there are you kind of like measuring the success in terms of like the eighty seven percent? Is that would you call that contained as in 87% of those use cases are contained or are you using any other metrics underneath it that would give you an indication as to like 
whether the conversation itself was successful. So for example, for 87% of people that speak to the assistant, it could be that, not that I'm saying it is, but for example, it might be that X percentage of them get the answer, X percentage of them either get frustrated and hang up or whatever it might be. Like, have you got any, do you use any other more granular sort of data or are you, are you happy with the containment rate kind of itself? So I, I, uh, you know, we, we do re- record all the calls so we can listen to the calls and see what's, what's going on. Uh, we're working right now getting some, some more data analytics as far as what, uh, what's actually happening in those calls. But at this point, I know in looking at this is how many calls that were answered by Poly AI, this is how many calls that were answered by my agent. So that's the per- percentage that's, that's contained uh, yeah. overall. Um, I, don't, I don't have right now a specific number to say that, you know, that they are happy with, with the success, but I, yeah, you know, uh, r- right now it's I'm not getting any complaints, right? So, um, which is good. But you now that's something that we're working on right now. I'm working with them and and getting some type of voice analytics and data analytics to be able to really understand once they're talking to our the voice assistant, what is it they're saying and what are they doing, and how do we continue to refine uh, the, the the process and make sure that it's it's being it's continues to be a good experience. Mm. Well, the, the, there's there is definite business impact you know, uh, taking that many calls out of, out of the call center is, is, uh, amazing, especially on day one. Um, I had a question, which is very similar to Michael's question, actually. So I'll pull Michael's question up again, which is, uh, what was the impact on some of your contact center operations, KPIs? Is there any impact or changes in some of your kind of like, uh, typical KPIs that you tend to measure? Sure. Um, obviously, you know, we, we, t- Lost you very briefly. Here we uh, go. Back again. <laughs> I think I'm losing you. I'm losing you. No, no. I apologize. And I, I don't right. know why it's, I keep cutting out, but um, okay. no, that's fine. So, We've got you back. So our um typically, you know, like I said, we were thirty to forty percent abandon rates. Um those abandonment or abandon rates dropped to about five percent. So um it was a significant uh, impact as far as ability, people, you know, the calls get answered immediately, and they don't have to. They're not waiting 20 minutes just to to say what time is check-in, right? So they're getting answered immediately and be able to handle that question. Uh, so from that standpoint, we saw um, a, a very um, a, a significant increase in the customer experience. Uh, one of the other things that you know initially I thought, well, this is going to really reduce my handle time uh, too, because I, you know, we'll be able to capture some information. Well, what? But what I found was um, the the voice assistant was now handling a lot of our simple calls, right? So even on the reservation side, people were calling and asking simple questions, which we were being able to answer. So therefore, it was it was sending more calls. It was handling some of those calls on the reservation side. Um, the calls that were going to an agent were actually handling reservations. So actually, I saw my handle time increase uh, because now I was spending more time with my agents or with my customers, uh, helping them instead of the this, this short amount of time of just answering simple questions. So, um, so, so those are some of the KPIs, the, the impacts that we had, but the overall service levels, the, um, the, the abandonment rate significantly increased uh, by, by using the, implementing this process. Interesting. But, uh, but it's like, you know, if, if you said to every contact center manager that you're going to receive less calls, but all, all the calls are going to take you longer to deal with. However, they're all going to be revenue producing. I think that that's a it's it's a no brainer, isn't it? It is, it is, and you know, it, you're you're cutting out. So it's you, you think, oh, my handle time is going up, so I'm needing more people. Well, you got to take out. I'm I'm cutting out. 
I'm, I'm cutting out these calls, a percentage of calls. If I cut out 15 to 20% of the calls that you, now you no longer have to answer, but those, those other 80% that you are handling are driving revenue and creating revenue and you're, and you're not losing calls. So those other 20% that, you know, maybe if you were abandoning 15 to 20%, maybe you're abandoning 15% of your revenue calls. Now you, now you're capturing those revenue calls and you're making more revenue. Mm, exactly. It's interesting because a lot of the traditional, I suppose, over the last few years, traditional starting points with AI, and a lot of the maybe it's the, the the slack, I suppose, or the bad headlines that AI might get is that it's kind of replacing people's jobs, and people think that a lot of the business motivation is around you know saving costs, laying people off, all that kind of stuff. But that's not. I couldn't be further from the truth in your instance. No, no. Uh, obviously, um, I can't hire people. Right. So I'm not, I'm not replacing anybody's jobs. I, these are, it's, it's doing jobs that people, that people don't want to do. And so what it's, what it's actually doing. And as it takes more, takes more of these calls, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my, if it were to handle even a lot larger percentage, and I look at my current staff to understand, you know, does that mean I'm going to get rid of my current staff? No, that means I can repurpose my current staff and, and look at different opportunities for them to drive additional revenue and add value to the company. So, um, so I think, I think you have to look at it that way. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that it, um, it handle these calls, it's, it's cheaper is, is a byproduct of the fact that you're giving a better experience to your customers. And, and if you focus, if you look at it as how do I give my customers the best experience? I, I, nobody out there wants to sit on hold for 20, 30 minutes, right? And so mm-hmm. if you can find an opportunity to be able to reduce that, get them answered immediately, get them, especially, especially these simple questions, get them on their way to where they need to go and free up your people to handle the complex more questions and drive revenue. Overall, that's a better experience for your customers and it's going to create your, a better NPS. Mm, yeah, absolutely. What's been the impact on the agents then that you, ha- that you have currently? Have you, have you got any feedback from them as far as, how they think of, of things and what their, what their working life is like now. Yeah, because we've, you know, we've done some things where now we're, we're uh, delivering some, some partial reservation information to the agents. So now when the call comes to the agent, they, they can quickly identify who they're speaking with, the dates that they want to come in and their, and their, and their uh, number of nights and how many people, and they can, they can pop that information into our reservation screen very quickly, find their offers and, and book the res- reservations. And so it's made it easier for them from that standpoint um, for, and, and taking fewer of the, of the calls that are just not, not necessary. Right. Um, and, uh, so they're, they're, they're driving more. I mean, we, I, they, they have opportunity more time on calls that are revenue producing that give them an opportunity to upsell and, uh, and make more money themselves. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's been very positive from their standpoint. Mm, nice. And for a call center, manager out there who's who's you know looking at doing the same and a lot of call centers are i think <laughs> almost every call center i would think is probably exploring these solutions now at least on the radar um how is it that obviously in terms of costs and pricing and stuff like that it seems as though you could justify almost any investment if it's going to lead to more revenue as you've been able to prove but in terms of the, the pricing models what are the kind of some of the models that, that you're looking at is it is it cost per call successfully handled is it license based is it kind of like based per minute like how are you how are you paying for this agent that you're using now 
we we do it. We bought a block of minutes um, with them, and and they a price repriced it that way. We calculated how many minutes we thought we would use in a, in a year, and they would give it. They gave us a, a price based on that on those minutes. And, and we obviously there's um, there's some professional services fees in setting up each use case uh, that we we worked out with them and and deliver that way. But on a on a per minute basis, um, uh, you know it's it's twenty percent of what I was spending an agent. A, a, a real live agent, so or less. So um, that again, from my standpoint, that was a byproduct of the of the better exp- customer experience and the increased revenue. Um, so um, you know, it's just it it, it just it just works. Um, and I, uh, I I'm I'm excited where it's going from here, right? And where we're going to deliver and drive uh, additional revenue streams and different use cases and, and just create better experiences for our customers. Nice. That sounds really good. And what, are, what are, you mentioned their partial reservation, you mentioned some of that kind of like where the agent handles half of the conversation, gathers some kind of information, maybe hands it off to the agent. Uh, this is a question I was going to ask, but Michael's already asking it as well, which is what are some of the, what, what are some examples of some of those kind of like future use cases? So once you've done the partial automation, one would think that full automation of reservations seems like a logical next step. Like, what what would you think around some of the more kind of advanced use cases that you're considering? Yeah, I mean, we we obviously are looking uh, to do that uh, and and grow it into a full a full reservation um, process where uh, and you know you have the option of of go using using our voice assistant to help you uh, through that process or you can um, you know wait for for an agent to help you. But uh, I want to be able to get to a point where. Uh, it can it can work. The, the best part about it is doing a full reservation. I can handle reservations 24 um, seven. I can handle reservations. It, my, my voice assistant has never uh, has never got covid uh, has never called out sick. Um, I don't have to pay it benefits. Um, I only have to train it one time. I don't have to keep training it over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't quit and I and have to restart all over again. So um, so the, there's um, incredible benefits from that standpoint is we can grow and build this into other use cases, making full reservations. We get to the point where we do restaurant reservations. We do, you know, to-go orders in the restaurants. We we handle a lot of our customer service processes. So we're, we're really looking to expand and grow it to, to again, as I mentioned before, is it really it's only limited on what our vision is of what it can do, and and I don't think we really have have explored everything that it can do, and I think there's opportunities that we don't even know right now that are going to become uh, great solutions for us down the road. Mm, yeah, and you've got huge scope there as well. You know, Landry, as you mentioned there, 600 establishments, you've got restaurants, hotels, you know, a whole bunch of capabilities there that you literally just scratching the surface of you know my kind of theory is that the 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 first kind of like touch point for businesses in future and look into that however far into the future you might but the first most most business channels right now anyway are conversational aren't they even websites are now conversational because of all the chatbots on them sure so inevitably then i think what's happening is what will happen is that as these intelligent assistants get more intelligent able to handle more use cases, the first touch point for a customer across all channels will be an AI assistant of some description. Right. Uh, it sounds as though that's kind of all like the path that you're beginning to, to, to take. Is, is that something you would concur with? Or have you got a, a different vision for, for the future of customer experience? 
No, I think I think that uh, that is the the right place. You know, we every, we used to all, all have the IVRs where you'd say for you know for this press one, for that press two, and so forth. And and I think it, we've totally eliminated that now. And say, how can I help you? What do you want me to do? Okay, I, I need this. Okay, let me get you there, and it gets you to the right spot. So I think it's much more interactive. It's much more helpful. Did, did I lose you again? Uh, yeah, we're back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you were on a roll. You were on a roll there as I, well. I know. I, I, <laughs> um, but you know, it, uh, it. You know, especially when you get to a point where, let's say, you, you know, you've got a, you got different, you got twelve different prompts that you want to use, and you know, you can't put that on a prompt. Press one for this tooth. Mm-hmm. You know, press thirteen for you know. So, um, you know, you don't want you don't want to do that. And so, using a using this voice assistant to be able to say. Hey, it just understands what you want and it gets you where you want to go and get, get and what you want to do. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the concerns and I, I told poly AI is I never want people to think that they're stuck speaking to a, a voice assistant and we can't get them to an agent. If mm-hmm. they want to speak to an agent, you just say, I want to speak to an agent and you get to an agent. Cause there's always, we know there's always going to be people that just are, are going to be challenged in adopting this technology uh, as good as, it, as it's going to become and as good as it can do. Um, I think people will still be challenged. There's there's a certain number of people, and you know, some of my casinos where I have a very uh, a, 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 the demographic is much much older. Um, you know, they um, they like to speak to a person. So mm. um, you know, and so I think we just will always have that av- available to speak to somebody. But you know, there's some people who just want things done, and some of the newer generations are adopting this technology because they use it on their phone every day. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's always going to be enough people who are ready and willing. It's the same as digital transformation, broadly speaking, across the board on every channel. You know, it's like there's always going to be enough people ready and willing to use your website first before speaking to a customer. There's always going to be someone, enough people ready and willing to use a chatbot rather than call. There's always going to be someone ready and willing to use a voice assistant rather than wait on hold. And so there's enough people there that are ready and willing to make this whole thing completely viable. Sure. And, and I think it's, it's using the technology that people use today. How many people, uh, you know, do everything on their phone, right? Yeah. So how do we make it easy for, for an app on their phone to be able to get what they want done and just to, to, to speak into it and say, hey, I, you know, I, I need this or I need that and have it, have it process that for you, right, without having mm-hmm. to, to go into uh, uh, an app and try to find things. Just let it find what you want to do and just get it done. And I, I, I really see that's going to be more and more um, adopted, uh, especially to today's technology. My, you know, my kids, my grandkids, you know, are, are using you know, their, their phones and my granddaughter learned, she, she has an iPad and now she's eight and she learned how to do FaceTime on her iPad. Now every night she's calling. And so it's, it's just, it's crazy the technology that they use today compared to it where is. it was when we were there. It is. It is. It's uh, and expectations change as well, don't they? I mean, every time that you know these new technologies be adopt become adopted, people's expectations change. And and there's been consistently, um, you know, studies and, and surveys done around how uh, people's expectations of self service is increasing. More and more people expect self service. More and more people expect chat and voice interfaces. And yeah, it's it's just a case of changing with rising and changing expectations of customers. You know, right. You know, Michael, Michael asked another question about internal resources uh, uh, to train or hire as we expand and grow into new use cases. And I, I and I think um, 
you know, as I, as I look at what we've completed, you know, initially the ramp up and the, the implementation uh, was very, was uh, very intensive with my technology and IT and, and everybody. But once it got up and running, uh, it runs fairly smooth and I don't have a lot of um, maintenance. Um, you know, every once in a while I was, I'll get a call and say, Hey, we're, calls are getting transferred here instead of here. And we need to change that. We go in and just change the number or, or, or change, you know, how they respond to, to a certain um, comment to, to make sure it routes to the right place. So that's really the maintenance of it right now. Uh, I don't know from um, th- that I'm really having a, an internal department that's handling AI. I don't, I think it's just our, our current um, AI staff, our current IT staff, tele- telephony staff, Really, we manage it fairly fairly well internally, and uh, you know, every once in a while, I may have to reach out to a third party, our third party pr- providers that help us with, from telephony side. But um, it's not, it, it's it hasn't been a huge resource really. It's um, really it's my my work with with Polly as we start growing and building, so we get a little more little more um, detailed and growing bigger use cases that are more complex. Um, we, we may identify some additional challenges, um, but uh, once it's up and running, it's been running, I found that it's run fairly smoothly. Interesting. It's really good. It's it's interesting approach because you've got some call centers that are trying to like build it all themselves using something like AWS or Dialogflow or another platform. Um, and then you've got a bit of a trend I think I'm seeing, which is that a lot of organizations, uh, rather than do that, just outsourcing it and, and just pass pass it on to a service provider or a technology provider that can do the whole thing for you. And it sounds as though, you know, the benefits of that arguably is that you don't have to take on any of that kind of like complexity or any of that resource. Uh, and you can kind of just outsource that and, and get the results without needing to go through the resource requirements to, to spin something up. Would you, would you agree or is there any other benefits or drawbacks? Yeah. I mean, initially I would say, you know, a year and a half or so ago, I started looking at the idea myself. How do I build? How do I use Dialogflow? Or how do I build these these assistants myself and do that kind of stuff? And and I'm not a technical person, but I knew what I wanted to complete to to accomplish and what I, where I wanted to go. <clears throat> what it was what it, what was nice is using people who knew how to do this and using they they know they they've gone through the challenges already. I didn't have to develop this. Um, you know, yes, you're going to pay some implementation fees and some startup costs uh, that, you know, maybe unless you have internal resources who are smart enough to handle uh, and understand those flows and build those flows uh, internally and you have those resources. I didn't have those resources uh, on my side. Um, so that's why we, we went to a third party to, and, and I've, I found poly to say, I need you to build this for me. Mm. Yeah. And those resources are actually very hard to come by. There's there's generally a massive sure. shortage of, of talent in this space because it's it's relatively it's not new as such. It's been going for a long, long time, but it the the traction that it's got is certainly over the last five years been relatively new. And so you've got people coming into it trying to make a career out of it, but the demand from organizations far outstrips the amount of talent that is actually available. So it's a it's a real difficult uh, position to be in for some companies that are trying to do it themselves. Um but I think this this concept of, of finding a company that has been through it and does it uh, and, and using that in a partnership arrangement, I think, is a, is a really sensible idea. Um, what advice would you give to other contact center leaders that are, haven't done this yet? 
Is there any kind of like key learnings that you would say definitely do this or definitely don't do that or any challenges that you forecast them seeing that you can advise them on how to get over? Like what's your, what would your general kind of advice be to somebody in your position at another organization that has yet to do this? Uh, you, you know, I've obviously um, you, you have to look to, to find the need and, and, and understand if, if you have a, if you have a, a need and you're losing revenue and you're, you're given a bad experience, then, then you need to explore this. Uh, you know, just, you just got to get started. Uh, but, you know, I would say, you know, as you start off, look at your, look at your easiest, simple use cases uh, to try. That's what we did first. Those were, those were just our, 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 our trials that we said, hey, let's do a trial and see if this works until we realized it no longer could be a trial. It's, this had to work. There was no other option. We had to make it. So, but if you have that option to say, hey, try it, you know, figure out what, what are the things you're doing? What do you use right now for, are you using IVR prompts for, for things? You know, how about replacing it with, a, with a, a person that can answer your questions and do that and maybe answer some additional questions without just transferring um, and, and, and start small uh, and then look to expand and grow those. So that's, I think that's the smartest way. Um, uh, that way you get the biggest bang to start off in the beginning until you can get to your more complex stuff. Mm, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we can do this again sometime uh, in the future when you've expanded into new use cases, new establishments, maybe new channels as well. And we can, uh, we can do a part two and, uh, and see how you're getting on. Sure. Uh, nice I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Brian, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been really, really enlightening because it's been nice to be talking about the business side and the business impact and the value it brings rather than the technology uh, and how the technology works because that's a lot what we spend a lot of time doing is figuring out the technology whereas the technology is pointless unless it's actually doing something for people and I think you've highlighted really really well how this technology is being used to solve real business problems and to really improve customer experience which is what it's all about so thank you so much for joining us yeah and I appreciate the the invite and uh, I I watch your show all, all the time so I, I enjoy uh, learning more and more about the industry so thank you so much for all you do Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. And thanks everyone for joining. Uh, we are going to, we are running a webinar. We run two webinars, actually. We're doing one, uh, which I'll leave you on this. We're doing one webinar with uh, DeepGram, which is uh, coming up on the 22nd of this month. And that is called The End of Can You Repeat That? Uh, and you can sign up for that at this link and I'll put the links for that in the show notes as as always. And that is all about, essentially, Brian is touching on some of the things that we've kind of been talking about here, which is you know, the, the importance of this, uh, this whole thing is to create a positive customer experience. A lot of organizations and companies that try and do this voice bot creation themselves make some fundamental mistakes uh, and it ends up having not a very good experience, essentially. So we're joined by DeepGram CEO Scott Stevenson, Illyrian CEO Dion Milson, and we're going to be climbing into how to create a highly successful voice assistant for call centers. And so please do join us for that. Uh, and another webinar that we're running at the end of this month the week after is with audio codes and Brian you mentioned there as we've been speaking about the challenges of uh, taking voice and in integrating that into call centers and, and you know designing a good voice assistant is one thing that's hard enough but it can all fall down if you can't actually integrate it into your call center and what audio codes do is they provide capabilities to do just that any voice bot platform being integrated into any contact center and uh, there is a brand new feature on the voice AI uh, gateway voice AI connect product 
that is uh, that is being released at the end of this month. And we're going to do a, a whistle stop tour of the conversational AI landscape. We're going to talk strategy uh, pointers and pitfalls that organisations make uh, when they start implementing this stuff. Brian, we might actually borrow some of the uh, some of the insights that you've shared with us today in that uh, in that instance. And you'll learn how to implement any voice bot from any channel or any any framework rather into your call center. So I'll put the links to that in the show notes as well. Please do join us for that. Uh, so without further ado, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Brian, thank you again. And we'll see you all again very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.